everyone. Welcome to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Went. And I'm Aaron Spears. This episode's challenge, we got it in just under the wire for Pride Month. Uh, New Queer Cinema, which is a kind of very very particular subset of um of independent film in the you know early through mid 90s i think as i looked it up there were some reverberations that go out into hollywood into the mid to late 90s i was seeing like the birdcage and some more yes. higher profile films that were, were were credited with like that probably existed because there was this strong independent movement that happened a few years earlier absolutely yeah and it, it seems like this uh this term was coined by a critic, uh, B. Ruby Rich, who used to write for The Village Voice and Sight and Sound. Basically, you know, she had, she cited several films of being in this time period in the early 90s of being like kind of like the the ones that that caused her to <laughs> to coin this phrase, like Todd Haynes's Poison, Laurie Lori Lynn's RSVP, Isaac Julian's Young Soul Rebels, Derek... Jamin's Edward the Second and uh, Greg Araki's uh, The Living End uh, mm-hmm. were some of the ones that, uh, and and you know, I mean, I'm sure there there are countless or there are several others, you know, that definitely can be can be named during that time period. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, it, it shows how I think how far we've kind of come, uh, it, you know, over the last. 35 years you know 30 plus years that uh you know for a while it was almost like a taboo subject to to have in films yeah um but uh but then this you know a lot of these uh queer filmmakers you know basically knocked down the door and was just like hey like it's time for our stories as well yeah absolutely i think she was even referencing rich um i think she even referenced like um a couple years i think on the either Sundance or the festival circuit specifically that were like, Hey, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here, which is, is, is really fascinating to me. That was um, the time, like age wise, I was able to convince people I knew that had access to a car kind of like mid nineties, like 94, well, probably like, yeah, like 94 ish um, to either like drive up to the art house theater here, uh, like Cedar Lee or the Cinematheque here in Cleveland yeah. to go see these movies. Mostly it was watching the stuff on VHS that I could get from a local video store or the library. And so like I was aware I was reading about like filmmaker magazine or movie maker magazine, maybe even premiere actually a little bit. Um, the independent boom that kicked off like sex lies and videotape. Yeah. And slacker. Um, I think clerks came a little bit touch touch later there though. But there was that this Avenue in the nineties where like, if you could just get together like, well, okay, first, I think you'll appreciate it as a filmmaker, Mike, you know, like if you can get together, you can get a credit card and access to like, Oh yeah. Debt. <laughs> <laughs> you can rent some equipment. There was this Avenue of like, I can get into a festival, you know, the, the gold standard was Sundance, but like, if you get into Telluride or even slam dance starts up, you know, you could get your unique individual story in front of some eyeballs. And then even if you didn't make it to the art house, you could get to a, a video store shelf. And there was a market there where like, oh, yeah, we can get this out there, um, you know, in front of people, at least on a video store and we can make a certain amount of money. And I, I think it's really interesting, especially um, particularly the, the the film I picked to talk about um, a little bit as my main choice. There's even references to some of those movies like the Sex, Lies and Videotape um, and independent film boom there late, late 80s, early 90s. Um, yeah. That this 
So like the new queer cinema movement, that was just part of that indie film movement as far as right. I was watching. And so when I was first able to get out and up to see uh, movies at the art house, like on the big screen, I was seeing a bunch of these movies. So I was just like, this is an independent film. Holy shit. America's got a whole movement going. Like I couldn't have been more, more energized, like finishing up high school than heading off to college. Um, Absolutely. These are like, I kind of had to dig in here because I'd watched a lot of these either as they were coming out or, you know, grabbed them on VHS as soon as I could. But I did end up, I did end up luckily finding one that I hadn't seen that I would was sort of inadvertently saving and kind of forgot about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, mine is kind of, is one that I've always heard about. And actually my wife was a big fan of, so she, she was excited when I told her what, what the theme of this, this episode is about because she was like, Oh, have you seen this? And I was like, actually, no. So, you know, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm jumping ahead of the gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, but, uh. it, 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 there's probably also the, the, the very brief caveat we should get of like, you know, a couple of straight guys here talking about nuclear cinema. Right. Right. But I have to say the appeal, one of the giant, one of the biggest appeals to me for films is their capacity to put me into different experiences. I'm not going to be able to have in my lifetime. Exactly. I really crave like the unique, the, the not unique is like, that's not the right, the right word. Different experiences than what I actually am experiencing here. And yeah, this definitely gets me that. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I'm sure, as, you know, when I was growing up and, you know, maybe saw some of these, you know, maybe there was a, you know, an uncomfortability level, but now, I mean, maybe I'm just desensitized by movies, probably, but, probably. <laughs> but, you know, but, but having, you know, seen quite a few now, you know, it's like, I'm just, once again, it's like, you know, you're just, you're always happy to see unique perspectives and, and just different, different ideas from your own. And, you know, and so like, yeah, some of these films, I mean, are some of the best of the last, I I mean, arguably, you know, of the last 30 years or so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I, I may have a little bit of a nostalgia warping it, but like some of these films hit me in such a way when I saw them at like such sure. a formative time, I was like, I expected a certain amount. Like, cause as we head into the the late nineties, there's like a corruption process in my brain uh, or the way I look at like the Sundance film festival marketplace that yeah. became the festival marketplace. You get up to some stuff where you be, you get like the Sundance independent movie. We're like, that's not what I'm interested in. I want, you know, like, you know, Derek Jarman's Edward II, like you mentioned, I watched that one. Actually, I didn't watch that till film school, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> it, it was confounding. And then like, you know, within like eight or nine years, Sundance becomes more of a marketplace than an exhibition for artists. And, you, right. get, you know, fa- I'm trying to think of famous like 90s ones like Spitfire Grill, you know, like it's it's a movie of the week. Like it's almost an ABC or a, like a Hallmark Channel kind of movie that sells for 15. Well, yeah, it's a PG-13 audience pleaser. That's not what I'm looking for. Unlike right. an independent, you know, film market, like just go pitch that to a studio then. But yeah, at this time period where like there was really like risque and groundbreaking stuff coming out of um, I keep saying Sundance. There's other festivals, obviously. Doing sure. That too. Sure. Yeah. But, like, I mean, obviously you formative. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, I mean, just something recent, of course, like Coda, uh, which is, you know, a very fine movie. And, you know, I think, you know, help raise the bar for, you know, for. Uh, deaf deaf representation in film but yeah that that also is kind of like one of those you know it is kind of like a hallmark movie in in some respect you know it's Mm -hmm. very ordinary that you know yeah i mean it's very far different from the sundance that 
the early years of Sundance and yeah. the late eighties and nineties, you know? So, and then, you know, stuff evolves, it changes. I get it. But like, yeah, there's like this, uh, this sweet spot where I was like, yeah, cause if you just looking up some of those, well, like what would be Ruby rich was mentioning, like you've got, you know, the poison and RSVP and Edward the second and swoon, like some of those are like, that's all the, that year at Sundance. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Some of these and the concentration there, but well, that's, you know, our, 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 our extended preface for what we're, we're looking at here with new queer cinema. Um, so yeah, uh, honorable mentions, we get those out of the way first, Mike, uh, you and a couple of names to throw out here, some films that you want to shout out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, some of these, and I will, I will say that, you know, I haven't seen all of these that, that I'm suggesting, but, uh, one of them, uh, I think is, you know, maybe not, I would have to check if it's actually a part of the new queer cinema, but, uh, my own private Idaho, um, by Gus Van Sant, uh, which came out in the early nineties, which I think, you know, at the time was, you know, that introduced, you know, you know, it had out characters, um, in the, you know, the lead roles, which a lot of times before that were, they were delegated to supporting characters or something like that. And, uh, that's, I mean, I think it's, it's a great film and, uh, Criterion did a really great job with their, with the uh, release of it, um, you know, I, I highly suggest it. So it's easily, you know, you can find it pretty easy on the Criterion channel, or um, I believe HBO Max might also have it on their uh, TCM. Um, there's yeah. a there's a great movie uh, that you can currently find on Netflix, uh, which was I, something that I watched uh, for this episode, but I actually it's not my my pick right uh edge of 17 uh, oh yes it's uh it's a movie that was written by todd stevens uh who made a movie uh last year that played last year at um uh played at the cleveland international film festival but it also played at south by southwest uh called swan song uh Mm -hmm. which is basically he made um he wrote edge of 17 and then he directed another movie uh in the in in between which i believe um gosh i can't think of the the title at the at the moment but um it was like basically a trilogy of him growing up in sandusky ohio and uh edge of 17 very uh charming movie uh you know basically just about um young man coming of age in in mid 80s uh sandusky where it's you know that was definitely against the norm um and then probably one of the most famous uh of of that era uh would be um adventures of priscilla in in the desert uh, desert, big yeah or um you know big midnight movie yeah Uh, there there's even that that one episode of uh, and I can't believe I'm quoting the Drew Carey show, but uh, there is this <laughs> there's one episode in particular where I believe they name drop the Cedar Lee even uh, and they have uh, like a like basically the Rocky Horror fans are complaining that, uh, you know, Priscilla Queen of the Desert is playing instead yes. of Rocky Horror. So there's like a there's a dance <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like I do remember a, that a one. song off. Yep. Uh, you know, where you know they're singing Time Warp and then the uh you know Shaker Groove thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but you know, that's probably you know, if, if for somebody who maybe is not very familiar with this this genre, you know, yeah. I think that that's one to really like introduce yourself into oh sure into the, the genre. 
So the the Todd Stevens trilogy because I I only remember this because they just they screened when they did Swan Song at the Cleveland Film Festival. They yes. did these other ones. Uh, Edge of Seventeen. It was uh, Gypsy. Oh, Gypsy eighty three. Eighty three. Yeah. So yes. it goes. So how does that go for the trilogy? So it's it's um, Edge of Seventeen. Edge of Seventeen. Gypsy eighty three. Swan Song. Yeah. Which is one of those like loose like thematic trilogies, not character wise because i haven't seen yes okay yes but swan song highly suggests it i I know it's it's uh, i don't know it it, maybe it falls into the new queer cinema but it is uh you know it stars udo kier Mm -hmm. um as a hairdresser it's uh i i thought it was just it it was such an entertaining movie oh yeah that's great full disclosure i did i did have you know i helped a little bit with that movie i mean small part you know to kind of help them get some crew members just because he had not been here for so long. So it it was, uh, you know, so, but that I was never there for the, any of the filming. So it's like, I'm kind (laughs) of unbiased, but I mean, I, it really just kind of blew me away. You've also helped out with terrible movies too. So it's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) any, right. Right. Any, uh, honorable mentions for you. Well, I was going to say, I think Swan Song works in the way that we could say, like, it's an alumni of the new queer cinema movement. Because, yes. like, it's, it's kind of time period specific, this particular movement, um, you know, early to mid 90s. But it's, you know, someone who was part of it. Um, yeah. As the filmmaker. So uh, it works in there, too. Um, I do. Actually, I inadvertently had a theme develop as I was just I was scrolling through some different lists online and writing down like, oh, my God, that movie was great. <laughs> oh my god, that movie was great. But also I was searching for I was like, I wanted one that I hadn't seen before. Obviously, that's the idea of, you know, a watch challenge. And I ended up with three romantic comedies that are oh, my okay. um so I kind of even honed in on a very specific um subgenre within, you know, the the new queer uh cinema. One the first one is uh Cheryl Dunier did one Watermelon Woman in uh, which ah, is actually a little bit okay. later in ninety six, but she self-financed it. She's the writer, she's the director, she's the star, she's the editor. It's kind of a theme that's going to go through most of my picks here. Um, <laughs> but she's been she was working on it for a while because it's one of those like micro budget movies where she plays a video store clerk. So it's already got my heart right there. Sure. <laughs> and um, she's working on a documentary investigating this woman she sees in a silent film that's known as the Watermelon Woman. And she so it goes into film history, too. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> this is like all the buttons for me. Um, and it's just, it's great because it's also multi format because it's her at the video store. She's dating, um, actually, she's dating um, Guinevere Turner. More on her in just a moment. Yeah. But then also making this documentary. So it's like a video journal as part of the movie. It's an acted, uh, scripted scenes where she's working at the video store, but then she's also making this documentary. So there's fake documentary footage interviewing film scholars and fake footage of these non-existent silent films where she's looking for the watermelon woman wow so it's got all these layers to it it's real breezy i mean it's maybe like 80 85 minutes so i mean any film geeks out there this will push up it'll still hit a bunch yeah. of things for you. check a lot of boxes i think I, it was up on canopy last i checked and then speaking of um guinevere turner um she wrote and starred in go fish in 1994 that rose troche uh directed and edited it and edited which is just, it's a great uh, romantic comedy. It's all uh, set in a uh, kind of a, a lesbian friend group. It's kind of the, it's, uh, I had an analogy. So it's it's a lesbian romantic comedy, low budget, black and white movie, the way Clerks is basically like, you know, uh, 
I would say it's a romantic comedy, but like the it's, right, it's, you know, it's a heterosexual, black and white, you know, film geek, you know, bromance, a bromance, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that one is fantastic. It just makes you smile, and it also makes you squirm a little bit in that way. Sure. Where you're like those awkward moments when you're trying to date somebody and it's not quite working out. And you're like, <laughs> like it's it's so tender and intimate in some of the scenes where you're like, I don't. This is so intimate for these two people. Should I be watching? Like it's got. Not that it's a voyeur aspect to it, but that was like it really captures those human moments. You're like, oh god, I've been there. That is so uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but also juggling like when your friends do and don't like your potential romantic partners. Like there's a navigation there of like I have a core friend group, and like oh crap, what if they aren't you know down with my new significant other, or how's that going to play out? And then the last shout out, it's still on my list of one of the like just best coming of age movies I've ever seen. Saw it up at the Cedarly Theater. Uh, I think it was spring '95, right around the time I was graduating high school. The incredibly true adventures of two girls in love. Ah, yes, um, yes. Maria Maganetti. I pr- maybe mispronouncing her last name. Writer, director. Um, what I love about all three of these movies. So that that's two teenagers. I think it's their senior of high school. Um, one of them is out. Another one realizes she's lesbian in the course of the film, and they start to yeah. date. Also, one's black and one's white. So there's a little bit of a not racial drama there, but there's some tensions to the relationship because of that a little bit, um, not to their relationship, but to people looking in on their relationship, parents, um, friends, all that sort of stuff. But I really like them too. Looking back on it, all three of those are not. And I think that's sort of a hallmark of the new queer stuff that I've seen. At least they're not coming out stories. That's what Hollywood does. Right. Like, oh, what should right. happen? When, and then they, you know, come out at the end or whatever. Like that was the period that Hollywood would get into. These are all like, I'm out. Yeah, that's me. Now what life, you know, here, here's what's right. going on. You know, right. everybody's looking for, you know, a romantic connection, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I kind of like that there was a inadvertent um, theme there, but also I, I wasn't realizing that as I was watching those uh, when I was younger, but like it, it is something like on the independent, very passion project style that we're looking at here with this movement. Um, they're not concerned with playing to a large, like to the masses at the multiplex. It's like, here's the story I want to tell. I'm telling the story and uh, totally, you know, in charge of your own, your own, your own, uh, project, your own film. And I like that. Exactly. No, yeah. that, and that's, I think that's just the independent spirit of that time period for sure. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. So what did you end up picking? Oh, actually. So you, uh, inadvertently already named the film I picked. Um, <laughs> the name from this time period for me is Greg Araki. Yeah. His stuff hit me at a film geek level, but also starting film school. I was doing uh, film theory, history, criticism, not production, but, Man, that guy was like grabbing um, a camera and making a movie. Um, I went with The Living End because I had yes. not actually okay. seen The Living End. Budget of $22,000, like I said earlier. That sounds like a credit, couple of credit cards to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which would you rather die for? Sex or love? So what's your name? The sexy slab of buff beefcakes. Luke. Stop it, Daisy. You just want to play hide the weenie with them, and you know it. Where's the party, animal? Fifteen left. The test only verifies that you have the antibodies to the virus. Sorry. I mean, you were careful, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time. Prepare to swallow your teeth, faggot. Guess again, Three Stooges. 48 hours ago, I was just another bummed out HIV positive homo minding my own business. Go, dude! Go! I'm a fugitive facing an accessory murder rap. 
dude. Come on. It's gonna be rad. Have you totally lost your mind? Where are you? I don't know. Siberia. You wanna know what it is I like best about guys' bodies? I really hate guys who talk during sex. Did I ever mention that? I'm not going to fondle your crotch right now. Why not? Because I'm a responsible driver. What do you say we go to Washington? Blow Bush's brains out. Or better yet, inject him with a syringe full of our blood. How much you want to bet they'd have a magic cure by tomorrow? Many people live perfectly healthy, normal lives for years and years. The world is ours. Yeah, right. I hit, so I'm tail end of Generation X. So one of the first new queer cinema movement films I saw in theaters at Cedar Lee was The Doom Generation. The yeah. poster spoke to me. Um, I don't think I even saw the trailer at the time because there was no internet to speak of. I was not seeing that trailer before movies that I was that you'd see at the multiplex. But the poster, everything about it just screamed Generation X to me. And I was like, that's me, man. I am wearing flannel. <laughs> I'm to, you know, uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, you know, mud hunting, all the all the uh, all the grunge rock stuff. And I went to the theater and I was like, I didn't know you could do that in a movie. That's crazy. And it was so exhilarating and fun. And so I made people watch it in film school. We watched Nowhere. We watched Totally Fucked Up, his other, his, his teen apocalypse movies. But I never got to The Living End. And I remember a number of years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait on that. Uh, it was one yeah, of those, like, yeah. so many uh, movies. Like, there's still two Kubrick movies I've never watched. I'm like, I'm just saving them. I still want to have a new <laughs> movie out there to discover. And then, you know, the world we live in, uh, Roe versus Wade decision came down. The concealed sure. carry decision came down. The prayer in schools. I was just like, you know what? I'm in the mood for something aggressive and confrontational and, frankly, a little angry. <laughs> <laughs> and the living end is all of those. We get uh, Luke and John. And again, hitting those buttons for me. John is a film uh, film critic in the movie, like a part, uh, part-time employed film critic. Luke is just... At this point, we pick him up in the movie. He's just hustling uh, and and robbing and killing <laughs> to get by. <laughs> but it, it's it's a really interesting story where it's two. Uh, so 1992 for the living end. He's writing it. You know, end of the 80s, early 90s, and it's so it's two HIV positive men, uh, gay men, that end up uh, connecting. They're angry. They're kind of pissed off. They're scared. Um, this is not a time period where you're going to be able to, like we have nowadays where you can, you know, you, with medication, you can mitigate, uh, being HIV positive in a very different way than you could yeah. in 1991, 1992. So they're like looking at the end of their lives basically. And they end up road tripping, but also, um, falling like fucking passionately head over heels for each other. And there's an intoxicating mix that Iraqi puts together of, um, also, sorry, he wrote, directed, shot, edited, produced, like. It's, yeah, he's not in front of the camera, but if it's if it's going on behind the camera, he's he's doing it basically here. Um, they hit the road, and it's kind of like it's hedonism, it's violence, it's fuck the world, it's um, all of that. But honestly, by the end of it, the last image of it, I'm not going to ruin anything here. But like, it's it's beautiful by the end. Um, granted, it's not going to end well for these characters, but like, you find some beauty in what he's doing there. But it is in your face aggressive there's a fuck everything mentality kind of you know a little bit of a nihilism going on there for sure but um it's it's rough around the edges you know yeah. twenty thousand dollar you know movie it's his first feature film he done a couple shorts and he had his master's in film production by then um i think he did usc but it really wraps up a lot of what was going on kind of in like politically but also just in society as a whole if you're if you're an out 
gay man going through the world. Like they are harassed. There are neo-Nazis in this movie. There's right, right. You know, out and out fascist cops in this movie. And they are not take, well, uh, I should say mainly Luke is not taking any shit from anybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's refreshing to see someone have a point of view in their film and like, I don't care if you like this or not, this is me and this is what I'm doing. And it's very in your face about it. And I love it. Um, also, I think there's like Joy Division, Dead Can Dance, Jesus and Mary Chain, Nine Inch Nails, like KMFDM. Like it's got a soundtrack. Um, it's got some. It's got some music, and it's 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 great. It's a very specific type of film. And yeah. Very very uh, like the 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 sweet, beautiful like romantic comedies and dramas I mentioned as my own mentions. Wildly different. Wildly different. <laughs> um, the heart is still there, but it's not the point of the movie. I should say, I guess so. Um, no, that yeah. one uh, was exactly what I wanted to see, and it was exactly. Uh, I'm so glad I waited to um, to catch it now. I'll have to fully admit, like uh, cinematic blind spots, or you know, I I've not really seen much of his work, so I am you know got got some work ahead of me because that sounds pretty fantastic. <laughs> to it's be probably honest. one of those like it's maybe not like you want the relaxing evening, just sit down and watch something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be the the nice uh saturday or sunday morning uh matinee uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah first thing in the morning kinda, <laughs> wake, get it yeah, out of the way yeah up. yeah for sure but um yeah no I, I that's a high recommend i just watched it the other day it's on canopy um i think it's also i think his stuff's on criterion as well streaming i don't know if they put out the editions or not yet but no they did yeah. i, I would have bought them i don't think they're out on those. <laughs> but, uh, well how about you mike what did you go with for this particular watch challenge yeah, so I ended up going with something that is uh, on, towards the end of the 90s. Okay. But, um, you know, nonetheless, this is uh, one of those – one of the filmmakers that, that was cited in that article. Uh, this is from director Todd Haynes. Mm-hmm. It's Velvet Goldmine from Ooh. 1998. It doesn't really matter much what a man does with his life. What matters – is the legend that grows up around him. Brian Slade was the wildest rock star to come out of London. The biggest thing since sliced Beatles. But that wasn't enough. We set out to change the world. What happened? Who did it? And why? Next week is the anniversary of the whole shooting incident. One journalist is about to look into the mystery trying to contact you about a story from the moment brian slade stepped into our lives nothing would ever be the same he was in the end like nothing he appeared right after everything crashed brian seemed to get lost in the lie came someone else Miramax Films invites you to throw away your expectations and take a magical trip back to the 70s when the glam scene rocked London and the outrageous fashions, music, and behavior shocked the world. Very interesting movie. Um, And it was, uh, I mean, very, it's a very stylistic uh, film and um you know it, it basically the it's almost um it, it's kind of weird to i guess uh compare it to citizen kane but it's almost uh, a <laughs> story i mean uh, 
Yeah. And I don't mean in, uh, in the way of the, the, the film itself, but, but the, the way the story structure essentially. So oh, you okay, have, gotcha. yeah. uh, so you, <laughs> you have uh, Christian Bale playing this uh, rock journalist um, who uh, attended um, a concert that um, we have. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We have this character, Brian Slade, who is seems like a amalgamation of um, David Bowie and a couple different artists who uh, basically faked his own death uh, 10 years prior uh, at a concert where, you know, it appears that he he's been shot Um and uh, and that's not a spoiler or anything, but then also um, so so basic Christian Bale's character um, was at was actually at that show. So um, he um, starts to talk to different people. So you you basically are talking to different people in uh, in Brian Slade's life throughout. You know who can shed light on who Brian Slade was. But, you know, at the heart of it, I think, is um, we have the Christian Bale character who was closeted, you know, by attending these concerts and seeing people like Brian Slade and also the the Ewan McGregor character named Mm -hmm. Kurt Wilde, who's, um, from what I read, is kind of like uh, a tip of the hat to Iggy Pop. Um, You know, this allows Christian Bale's character to to finally come out of the closet and and you know live as a gay man like there's yeah. there's one there's one part in particular that I thought was it's like basically he's watching the TV with his family and, and like and you see the concert and he's like dad see this dad this is me this is me this is this is who I am and yeah. like the, the dad and the mom are just like huh <laughs> like what is <laughs> what is it um but uh, no I I found it to be a very um, you know, it, it's, it's very unique, um, in, in that I don't know if I fully loved the movie or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I admired a lot of the choices that were made and just the, the acting and the, and the music of course oh, is, yeah. uh, is a big part of the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I it was, um, I, you know, I'm finally glad to check this off because I um, inadvertently have kind of helped scout for some of the Todd Haynes movies that were thinking about shooting in Cleveland, but they ended up shooting in Cincinnati, Carol and oh, nice. uh, and the film Dark Water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, through those, I started to like really explore a lot of his filmography and I've seen yeah. pretty much everything except for this one. And, um, you know, I, I just thought that it shows his strengths of, um, just camera placement and I, I don't know, it's a whole vibe, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> when, sometimes when you see, when you see a movie like this and I yeah. mean, and I think he really used a lot of the elements that were, were used to make this movie into the, um, the Bob Dylan kind of, biopic that he made in the oh. in the late 2000s which i think uh, is i'm not there i'm not there yeah uh, yeah 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 where all these different people play bob dylan yes yeah. so i think uh you know and that was i think that was like the first todd haynes movie that i'd seen so it really like 
watching this like reminded me of that film and actually yeah. made me want to watch that movie again um wherever i can find it because i know it's a weinstein movie and who knows where all the, <laughs> the rights are right now <laughs> but uh but no I, i'm very glad that uh you know having the, and, and i don't like i said like, this came at the end of the 90s so i i don't know it might like fall right on the cusp of nuclear yeah. cinema but but definitely you know it was uh it was that de- you know it was a trip and uh very kind of like memorable one well the um producer for Vela Goldman that's worked with Todd Haynes I think throughout most of his career Christine Vachon who does killer yes. films she was right there with Poison with him in 91 so like she's also she's but I mean if, if you want producer extraordinaire um she's the bio to look up because she also did Go Fish and probably everything else we mentioned uh frankly like she's oh yeah yeah kind of her her uh her area of expertise and getting some of those voices out there in the early 90s too which is interesting because like that's somebody as a producer like that's not a name everybody would recognize the way like a todd haynes or greg Araki or that sort of thing because todd haynes has an interesting streak in him too of music i which i, I hadn't thought of because i totally forgot about velvet goldmine and i have not yes. seen it so, like, i got to get on that one yes he did the, i'm not there the bob dylan one and then he just did a phenomenal um called the velvet underground documentary uh last year the year before i guess 2020 or 2021 but it's yeah last year uh, last year okay yeah all about velvet underground and uh, i was like like it's it's when you watch it you're just like oh this is the definitive documentary for this for this oh band. my god yeah. Um, yeah yeah no that i mean it's you know and sometimes we talk about oscars or whatever. i mean i was i was kind of bummed that uh it was overlooked for the the doc nominations uh just because and i know sometimes it didn't didn't even get a nomination then right no they didn't and it's like i think sometimes they thumb at like the retrospective kind of things even though summer of soul won um which was a great great movie great movie uh, yeah very great movie but i was just like hey that's great why you know (laughs) yeah yeah. um but i mean because i like he told it in a way that kind of almost transcended the the documentary. Like, yeah, you know, I think so. Too. So, yeah, yeah, breaking new ground as well as making a kick ass documentary. Yeah, no, so I, I just think yeah. he's like, I I honestly think he's one of our the best American filmmakers that we have. That's weird too, because as you were talking about Velvet Goldmine, I was I was like, wait, is very he British, British movie, or is he? Yeah, <laughs> not that yeah. it necessarily matters, but I was like, oh no, he's an American filmmaker. He just went to Velvet Goldmine. That was like, all right, nice, nice, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get on it. That one, um, yeah, that's been floating on it. I actually, I even had Velvet, God, I'm fucking up the names now, Velvet Goldmine um, yeah. <laughs> on VHS. I think I still have it, actually. Uh, it's not still shrink-wrapped or anything, but I remember buying it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to watch this one, and I just, I've never gotten to that one. I got to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, This one, it's a little hard to find on streaming, but I mm-hmm. did, I was able to rent it on Voodoo or oh, okay. whatever. I, I think that's like. It's like a Walmart thing, <laughs> but, oh, but you oh, know no. that that was the right, <laughs> but yeah. that was the only way to 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 access it. You know, at least for yeah. for well, this episode, got to do what you got to do. <laughs> but um, interesting, yeah. No, I, I have to get on that one uh, immediately. And there's actually a few more that I'd found from this era that I was like, oh, I never, I never got to that one either. And then watching Living End, I was like, God, there's such an energy here that I was like, yeah, all right, I'm. Well, that's the the idea of the watch challenge it opens up a can of worms and you're like all right well i got this rabbit hole i got to go down for you know the next three or four movies i'm watching because um my queue just infinitely expands every episode that we do absolutely well in speaking of further episodes what uh what do we have for next time 
So this wraps up, uh, this particular episode wraps up our 12th episode. So we're, we're thinking like, let's put a challenge out there. We we know we got a few listeners. We've had a few exchanges with folks. Uh, still, you know, it's a young show, but let's uh, put out the call for listener suggestions. We're going to be taking a little break here as we're in the middle of summer. We got a couple of vacations uh, scheduled. So we will be back with our next episode, July 28th, about a month from the time you're listening to this. If you listen to it, the the moment it uh, it drops. So in the link in the show notes here, there's a way to just do a quick little um, suggestion link uh, to send us a topic, you know, either a topic or genre of film or something uh, that you would want us to cover on the show. We also have watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com if you want to send any suggestions or, you know, find us on social media or if you're an IRL person who listens to the show and sees us <laughs> around the uh, our, our haunts, our theaters here in uh, Northeast Ohio, you know, hey, what about this topic is also um, <laughs> also welcome. So, uh, yeah, send us some ideas. Uh, they can be as off the wall as you want to. They could be as, uh, I don't want to say, well, I was going to say like vanilla or ordinary, but like, you know, like, hey, you didn't do any film noir yet. Do some film noir. So yeah, weirder, the better. Absolutely. Weirder, the better. Uh, yeah. g- go for something deep and obscure or, uh, you know, we've done everything from best picture nominees to Ozploitation to, you know, we're, we're, we watch, uh, we watch anything basically here on, uh, on this show. Um, and so we're curious what uh, topics you may throw our way. So go ahead and uh, submit some ideas. We will comb through those and uh, start up, I guess, season two, uh, as it were, uh, end of July, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back. So looking forward to seeing what uh, what gets thrown our way, Mike. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we will, uh, I would say we'll talk soon, but we'll, we'll talk in a few weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.